from the University of New Haven and presented by the Vet Centers of Connecticut. This is Voice of the Veteran. Welcome to Voice of the Veteran. Our program today is about the VA Suicide Prevention Program. Promoting the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. Our guests are Jessica E. Loss, special, uh, I guess it's SPC stands for what, Jessica? Suicide Prevention okay. Coordinator. It, in, in the military, it uh, stands for specialist, but <laughs> that's okay. Uh, team member, Suicide Prevention Coordinator, and LaTanya Hart. Hi. Um, and she's also a specialist team. <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah, I know. I'm going to say that from now on. So, but um, welcome to the show. And I think this is a very important um, subject matter to really cover, uh, especially with what's um, been going on and how we're trying to really reduce this um, suicide rate that is going on. Um, so please talk about the program. Okay, so I can uh, start by saying that um, the VA has a suicide prevention coordinator located at every hospital, and which means that there's about over 400 of us. And currently, we do have a core piece to our program, um, including we basically monitor anyone who is considered at risk for suicide. We make sure that they get the enhanced care um, that they need uh, within the hospital. We work very hard to work together as a team with our uh, mental health staff and our non-mental health, health staff um, in the event that veterans are not coming into care. Um, and we work very diff um very diligently with the community. So we're always out in the in the community just to make sure that we're increasing awareness for suicide and trying to work to build partnerships um, so that we're reaching across and building the bridge um, to reach out to people who are not coming into care. Just I was just going to piggyback off that. Um, one of the, the model that we use is um, the public health approach in which we believe that suicide is everyone can play an important role in preventing suicide um, you don't have to be trained um, to reach out to somebody that you care about and, and help them and support them and be there for them and we know that suicide um, causes immeasurable pain for veterans their families their friends as well as the community and um, it's our top priority is, is um, overall health and well-being um, of our veterans regardless if they're in VA care or not, we want to be there for them. Um, and, and with that being said, our approach, as Latanya mentioned, is coordinating our efforts at the federal, state, and local levels, which is, is really important to take that comprehensive approach. Now, you actually do a lot of outreach also going out um, and, you know, classes and everything else. Anybody in the public, if, if they say they would like for you to come out as a team to talk about uh, suicide prevention, would they be able to contact you or how would they be able to contact you to um, be able to come out and talk about that? Absolutely. Uh, we are always open, willing, and excited to get out into the community to provide training um, and of any sort, we will tailor a training. We do have one in particular, which is called Operation Save. Um, it is our gatekeeper training, <clears throat> excuse me, and it basically stands for 
uh, noticing the signs and symptoms when someone is at risk, being able to ask the question, uh, validating the veteran uh, in their pain, and helping to expedite um, treatment and getting the person to care um, in an effort to have an evaluation completed. Um, but again, we will tailor any training um, that any particular group um, is looking for for their uh, situation. And we can be um, contacted at the VA at the end, we can give you our contact information. Um, and we also are contacted if someone calls the Veterans Crisis Line. Uh, those calls do come directly to us uh, in Connecticut, so we can be contacted that way if, if there's a veteran, and particularly that someone is worried about. And how would people contact you? I just want to get this out of the way. So I can be contacted. I'm located at the Newington VA, and my number is 860 666-6951, extension 6893. And myself and uh, my colleague, Christina Allen, we're both located at the West Haven campus, and we can be reached, I can be reached at 203-932-5711 at extension 7294. And my colleague, Christina, is at 25. Five zero, and we're happy um, to provide support and collaboration as well as help any veteran get access to care and support that they need. Well, that that's what I wanted to get out of the out of the way first, because I, I'm a very um, I'm very into making sure people know how to get a contact with you. Um, now we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, can you tell us what the dimension of of suicide is currently and what is really happening um, with the suicide rate uh, with veterans? So currently, um, as we know, suicide has affected and taken the lives of over 47,000 um, people within the United States um, each year. That's, that's, that's the number that we're looking at. And 20% of those are our veterans. Um, Unfortunately, these are the lives that we're losing each and every single day. Uh, what we do know about that number is that 14 out of the 20 veterans that we're um, losing are not connected to care. They're not receiving care with the VHA. And so that tells us that, again, as Jesse mentioned, this is a public health problem that takes a public health approach. So we need to continue to bolster our efforts to be in the community so that we can meet veterans where they are uh, and be able to increase awareness and, and give people the tools um, to help to to, to be able to help our veterans if they're in our communities, in our schools, being seen in private um, you know, practices, we want to make sure that we're out there and sharing our efforts from the VA. I also want to mention um, expanding our outreach and working with women veterans mm -hmm. um, who are also at a higher um, risk for suicide and just recognizing that we do have um, a, a women's clinic here in West Haven, um, which can be a great resource for women veterans as well. Um, and just to um, piggyback off what Latanya had mentioned is that we recognize that um, we can't wait for um, veterans to, to walk into our medical centers and meeting them in, in the various systems that they're interacting in. And that can be diverse. It can be um, the educational systems, um, university, um, community college students, um, or veterans who might be in, involved in our criminal justice system. We want to be working with them and supporting them, as well as um, if veterans are connected in a faith-based community. That can be a really powerful arena for them to get support, and we want to be meeting them there as well to support exactly. them. 
Now, how, how does this suicide impact the civilian and veteran population? What, what has it done to it? That's a very good question. Um, and, you know, whenever we're asked questions like that, we immediately go to what the data says. Um, and so just going back to what I had previously mentioned, um, we're looking at uh, over 47,000 individuals who have lost their lives. And, of course, that touches the lives of survivors as well. So we're not, you know, just talking about the the lives of the lost ones, but we also want to recognize that there are many people in our communities that are suffering from the loss of um, a loved one, a friend, um, to suicide. And it's affecting our civilians as well. Suicide is everyone's business, so we are very dedicated to the cause of uh, decreasing veteran suicide, but suicide across, um, you know, spectrums. And so we're looking at how can we increase the knowledge of um, measures for decreasing suicide with everyone, because it's not just a mental health professional, it's not just our issue at the VA, it's everyone's um, issue. Go ahead, Jess. I was just going to say once we we've identified um, the scope and impact of suicide, it will help us to take a primary prevention approach to be able to stop suicidal behaviors before they occur and mm -hmm. to be able to use evidence-informed, um, you know, treatments because when people are connected to treatment, they get better. And they so we, we want to um, accommodate that in, in an individualized way and knowing that a one-size-fits-all approach um, doesn't work, that it, it each um, veteran, each person, their, their needs are unique and, and we recognize that. Exactly. Now, um, I also wanted to I ask, um, so what is the VA doing to reduce this? What, what are they actually um, doing as far as programs? And of course, I know that you guys are going out and doing outreach, which I think is very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can kind of um, hit on that, that'd be great. First, <laughs> so the VA um, is really, really doing a lot to um, decrease suicide, and there are many initiatives. And I'll just go through a few. Um, currently, the VA is partnering with community mental health providers to expand the network of local treatment resources available to the veterans who need it. Um, and again, as I stated earlier, um, there are more than 400 VA suicide prevention coordinators, along with their team. And <clears throat> they're located at each medical center. And we're connecting veterans with care and educating our community uh, about suicide prevention programs and resources. Uh, suicide is a national public health issue that affects communities everywhere. And that's why the VA has adopted a public health approach to suicide prevention. So we're using bundled approaches to prevention that cut across various sectors um, as Jesse had mentioned, so that we can see veterans where they live and where they thrive. Um, and also, VA is continually working to expand uh, and enhance initiatives to reduce suicide rates, including, as Jesse mentioned, uh, bolstering mental health for um, the women veterans. We're expanding telemental health services. Um, we're expanding access to care by providing mental health and screening treatment services through VA and vet centers and readjustment counselors, uh, looking at different um, areas where we can do better in terms of same-day access um, for veterans and just many things. I'm sure Jessie has some that she'd like to share, too. That'd be great. 
So we're also um, working to expand the use of telemental health services so that we can um, reach veterans who might not be able to get into um, a medical center um, or a clinic, which will definitely expand our, our make our reach a lot um, wider, especially into rural areas where veterans are, are living and interacting. Um, we also have adopted the use of some mobile apps, um, knowing that we're moving into the digital age. Um, so some examples of that would be something called the virtual Hope Box, which is a coping resource that veterans can download um, on their phone and turn to um, to kind of keep track of their their coping strategies, to engage in some um, meditation techniques. Um, another example would be the PTSD Coach app, which will also help veterans to um, tap into local resources specific um, to PTSD. Um, we also have a service called Coaching Into Care, which is a telephone um, coaching service to assist veterans, their families, um, or anybody who cares about them and wants to work collaboratively um, to get that veteran into care. And this is a free telephone coaching service um, that is provided by a licensed clinician. And so it's another really great opportunity for support. Mm-hmm. So oh, go ahead. I was just going to add to that um, also with the Veterans Crisis Line. Um, in the past, as you know, we started out the Veterans Crisis Line with just one uh, call center. We are now up to three call centers. And the Veterans Crisis Line, gave you had mentioned that number earlier, 1-800-273-8255, is not just for veterans. It's for families and for anyone that cares about a veteran and has you know any concern. And so, again, we're up to three call centers now to be able to make sure that we're, we're reaching out and, and ac- having people be able to access us as quickly as possible. Now, do they, do they have any numbers on how many people usually call in, or is that something that varies? Oh, my goodness, we do. Um, there's, there's a whole... You know, uh, yeah, a the lot whole of data. I know, but I'm sure it's a lot. It is, it's a lot a, yeah. And the great thing about the Veterans Crisis Line is that there are different ways to contact. So it's not just talk; it's also text and uh, chat. So if a veteran or you know anyone concerned they want to chat, they can chat to VeteransCrisisLine.net or send a text to eight three eight two five five. Now, I wanted to ask both of you, why is outreach so important? Hmm. (laughs) So I'll just jump in. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, please do. Just jump right in. (laughs) I like to talk. Um, So out of the approximately 20 million veterans that we have in the United States, um, only about half are connected to um, some form of VA service. And so, as we mentioned earlier, um, we really have to be moving outside to the community to meet veterans where they're living, working, um, or possibly receiving care. And so our goal is to reach all veterans, um, not just veterans in VA care. And so that's why it is so important for us as um, suicide prevention coordinators, but also um, other um, providers working with veterans to really face the community and provide support um, prior to a veteran reaching their crisis point. Um, And we as SPCs at the national level have conducted more than 20,000 outreach events in um, 2018, which means that we've reached almost 2 million people. And so just um, think about that interaction that could happen. And so that person could receive resources that they may not need at the moment, but that later down the road, they could tap into and get support. 
Now, what about the outreach part uh, of training? Because I know that you do go out and you do contact, you know, with the veterans and try to educate them that way. But um, what about um, training? Because you were saying just now, I know that the Vet Center has a, a big counselor meeting training thing and you guys were there. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to ask on that part mm-hmm. because maybe somebody that's listening to this show mm-hmm. might need you to come to their facility, you know, it might be a mental health, um, you know, uh, program or something that maybe they would want you to come to. Um, please, if you could talk about that and give some information for contact, that'd be great. Absolutely. So I just want to say um, with training, um, we definitely look at it as an opportunity to share what the VA is doing, um, to share our best practices. One of the most recent um, initiatives that we've been taking with training is training our homeless staff to be able to um, train their counterparts. So we're seeing SAVE training be implemented at our soup kitchens, be implemented with the grant per diem programs. Um, so we're, again, trying to reach everyone um, across the spectrum. So if there's anyone that's interested in having us come out to do a training, rather it is, again, a non-clinical, like our Operation SAVE, or if they're looking to have something specific like um, Suicide risk assessment training, we can be reached at the numbers that we gave earlier for myself, 860-666-6951, extension 6893. Uh, Christina and uh, Jesse can be reached at 203-932-5711. For Jesse, she's at extension 7294. And Christina is at extension 2550. And again, we're always excited and willing to do a training um, whenever. Yeah. Well, I just want to get that out because I think that's really important. Some of the listeners um, really want to make sure that they can try to reduce the um, suicide rate. Between veterans. And what training does, I think, is it it gives people the tools to be able to say, okay, you know, I'm a little bit more comfortable um, with asking, asking someone if they are thinking of taking their own life or if they are, um, if they want to kill themselves. It's easy for us because this is what we do, but it's really not, you know, it's not your everyday conversation. And it's a conversation that we're trying to get people comfortable with. So, um, and we just want to make sure that folks understand you do not have to be a trained professional professional in order to help someone. So we just want to get out and and make it comfortable for people to know that you do have the tools. And it's just a matter of being if you care about someone, you're able to help someone. Well, that brings me to the next question. Why is suicide so difficult to talk about? And, And what kind of stigmas do they have? It seems like nobody wants to talk about it, you know? That's okay. Oh, okay. So suicide is difficult to talk about for many reasons. Um, It definitely is taboo. What we know um, that we talked about earlier is that um, 47,000 approximately people die by suicide each year. Um, Half of that number is attributed to motor vehicle accidents. But of course, many times when we're listening to the news and any, you know, outlets, we hear about motor vehicle accidents more because it seems to be an easier conversation. Um, So what we want to look at is why is it 
um, difficult to talk about. People are hesitant because they don't know how to ask. I think it's a, an automatic, like, um, what we call, like, the hot potato is if I ask someone and they say yes, what do I do with that? You yeah. Know? So it's not really a typically easy um, question. But once people are equipped and once people are used to, you know, making their environments um open to suicide prevention and, you know, starting those conversations, it can become our norm. Um, you know, we're making strides in, in different areas, just like intimate partner violence. Um, we want to make sure that we're open to helping people who are hurting um, because it's difficult for them as well. So it has to be something that we overcome as a community. And also, I think it's important to think about the role um, of somebody's own belief systems and value systems um, related to suicide and how that could play a part in whether or not um, they're they're able or willing to talk about suicide and its impact. And so that's something for us as individuals to be aware of is what our own um, beliefs, attitudes, and, and values are about suicide and um, kind of being aware of that and, and how that might impact our ability to ask somebody else about it as well. Well, that's interesting that we kind of hit on that because people think it's such a taboo type of word and they just don't want to really talk about it. Um, can we talk a little bit about the SAVE model for suicide prevention? Maybe go over that a little bit so um, our listeners can understand that. Sure. Absolutely. So the SAVE model, again, is our gatekeeper uh, training and it, we when we do the training, it's about a 45-minute to an hour training um, just for those who are interested in having us come out. But we'll just go over it briefly. Um, SAVE is just an opportunity to give people the tools that they may need to be able to help someone. So the S in SAVE is for recognizing the signs and symptoms. So we go over... Um, you know, what are some of the protective factors, the risk factors, what's going on in the veteran's life that could potentially put them at risk and being able to recognize that um, in someone. We talk a little bit about how to ask the question, which, again, is very important. Um, it's not a question, again, that's easy to ask. As Jesse stated, you know, many people, um, you know, we grow up and we have our own belief systems and, you know, we're taught a certain kind of way and it's just not comfortable because we think, you know, either it's not right or it is right or, you know, we want to tell people what they should or should not do. Um, but learning and knowing how to respond to someone who may be at risk is about putting your own beliefs aside and just being able to help people where they are. Um, so asking the question in a way where you just want to know if the person is at risk. You don't want to ask them in a way where you're um, letting them know you don't want them to say yes. Um, so we go over all of that in the training. Um, the V in SAVE is for validating the veteran. Sometimes people just need someone to listen. They just need someone to hear, you know, what the experience has been for them. They just want to be able to kind of let it out. Um, and so being able to validate someone in their pain, yes, you know, it sounds like you've been going through a lot um, and just getting them to where they need to be. Um, and that's where we come to the E is expediting um, help and just saying, okay, this is someone who needs to go to the psyche ER, or this is someone who just needs the number to the veterans crisis line, or this is someone who just needs to be in a group. Um, it's not up to the person who is 
you know, in that moment to determine if the person is actually going to kill themselves or not. It's just up to you to get them to help. Um, And that's what Operation Save basically does. It just gives you the tools to be able to recognize, to ask, to validate, and get them to the help that they need. That's a great acronym, by the way. It will help you. It will definitely help you to remember the steps um, in, in, in connecting to someone and getting them to help. Um, another really important component to the SAVE training, um, we were just talking about, you know, suicide as being a complex issue that is often difficult to talk about and sometimes uncomfortable. There are a couple of um, myths about suicide that we would just like to take a few minutes um, to share with you and to discuss just to make sure that we have the most accurate information about suicide. Um, so the first myth is, um, that asking somebody about suicide could, could lead to him or her taking their life. So, um, the belief that if, if I ask somebody about suicidal thinking, it it will give them the idea to then attempt suicide. And we would just, um, like to share that asking somebody about suicide does not create suicidal thoughts for the person. It's actually the opposite. Um, asking the question gives the person, permission to share how they're really feeling um, in a safe space um, when it's possible they haven't had somebody listen to them or haven't had the opportunity to share about how they're really feeling. And it actually could be a relief for them because it gives them an opportunity to, to talk and, and to feel heard, as Latanya mentioned. Um, another myth uh, that we like to um I would say smash, (laughs) is if somebody really wants to die by suicide, there is nothing that you can do about it. And why this one is really important is because I think that it's a myth that many people do believe. Um, And what we know about suicide is that many of the suicidal ideas are, they're associated with treatable disorders. Um, And treatable disorders, if the person is in treatment, can definitely get better. Uh, Treatment does save the lives of individuals. And so suicide is one of those, um, you know, things, unfortunately, there's a acute risk, an acute time frame that could be very small. Um, And so if we help people in those moments, we can definitely help them to be able to to make it to the next step. Um, So if someone really wants to die by suicide, there is something that we can do about it if we're allowing ourselves to be available to help them um, and to pay attention to what's going on. If we're if if we're, um, you know, around them, we want to make sure we're paying attention to their behaviors, that we're listening to the things that they're saying and not saying so that we can get them to care. Now, is there any certain way somebody should start a conversation with somebody that you might think might be um, having uh, suicidal thoughts or, you know, acting in a weird way um, that is not normal? Um, is there any any tips you can give for people out there? How are you? Are you okay? Is there something that I can do? Um, you know, we just want to start the conversation. As the conversation starts, then you'll start to see, you know, where it needs to go from there. And I think that it kind of just breaks the barrier for people, you know, who have been struggling. A lot of times when we're in that deep, dark place, you know, you shut people out, you may be isolating, and you don't think anyone understands you. Um, So once we start the conversation to say, you know, it seems like you may be struggling with something or I've noticed that over the past couple of days or a few months, you know, things have seemed seemed a little different. Is there something that I can do? Can I bring you to someone to get help? Um, So just 
generally and being genuine with someone um, to start that conversation? Pretty much there's no wrong way of starting a conversation because, and the thing is, is there's a lot of myths out there. Well, how do I start it? Oh, a clinician has to do it. You know, there's a certain way, there's a technique, there's something else. But evidently from what you're saying, it's just simply starting the conversation. Just be there. Just being there for someone and starting the conversation is definitely going to, you know, and what we have to realize, too, is that in that beginning of the conversation or the first time, the individual, you may not get the answer. You know, someone may not admit that, yes, I am suicidal or I have been having thoughts, but it's going to give them an out to start thinking this may be a safe place. Um, And so as long as you're there and you're opening yourselves up to be willing um, people that are in crisis, they will begin to talk and they will think this is a good, a good time for me to, to share my story. I just wanted to reiterate the point that in being there for someone, we don't have to have the answers and we don't have to fix the crisis that the person is going through. But just reminding the person that help is available and really taking the time to build Um, Like LaTanya mentioned, um, a trusting, caring interaction with the person may get them to a point where they will feel comfortable enough to share with you um, how they're they're really feeling. Well, what I'd like to do is actually get to the point of the resources that are available that we can talk about. Um, I think that's important. And... um, And I basically think that this is great that you, both of you were able to, both of you were able to come on um, because I I just think that this is something that um, the regular population really needs to know about. Yes, and we do appreciate you bringing us on. Um, Some of the resources that we have um, at the VA is the, the Veterans Crisis Line, which is the also military crisis line, vcl.net. Again, to text that number is 8382 Make the connection.net is another um, website which is helpful for veterans and families um, who are looking to get their loved ones connected. It's a, a website that provides, um, lo- you know, you can go on and look at videos um, to be able to see what it would be like if I were to go to the VA. Many of our veterans, as Jesse mentioned earlier, are not into care um, for different reasons. Some are not even aware that they're eligible. Some are afraid because of, you know, the stories that they've heard or some, you know, are just not ready. So this is um, an opportunity for them to go on and see what would it be like if I were to step foot um, into uh, the VA. Coaching into Care um, is another resource, and the number for that is 888-823-7458. Coaching into Care is a great um, program that allows the family members and friends to be able to identify how to help their veterans. So many times people are saying, you know, I know that this person needs help, but I don't know how to bring it up to them. This is um, a program that helps to to give them tools to be able to talk about it. Um, The National Call Center for Homeless Vets, um, that number is 1-877-424-3838. The Vet Center, of course, um, is a great um, 
you know, resource and the women's health program that we have um, here. So anyone within the Connecticut, uh, you know, where we're located for West Haven, I would just say if you have any question, if you're looking for help, if you are looking to get connected, to call the main number, which is one two zero three. 932-5711 and just press zero. Um, you know, there's too many other extensions to mention, but just press zero and say, I need help and explain what it is and they will get you to the right place. Would you like to say something? Yes. Nothing? Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to say being that we are in the digital age with the Veterans Crisis Line is just, you know, being able to access it via text and chat as two other venues um, in addition to to making the call. And um, the call center responders, about 25% are military um, themselves. And so what will happen is you'll get connected to a responder who is trained and um, who will um, talk the veteran through what they're going through, whether it's 10 minutes or three hours. And then um, our suicide prevention team is happy to follow up and will follow up within 24 hours of that initial call to the, um, the crisis line. So we really have um, some additional layers of care to really support our veterans who have um, sacrificed so much for us. Is, is, is there anything else that we need to cover? Um, no, I just want to reiterate uh, that as part of your community, um, in our communities, that you are in a position to help uh, people who are hurting, uh, individuals who are in pain, and any, anyone who may be at risk for suicide. You don't need any special training and you don't have to be, you know, have certain credentials to be able to ask someone if they need help. So we want to make sure that, you know, folks know that you too matter um, in the fight for ending suicide. And we just want to make sure that we're helping people to know how to access us so that they can get the tools um, to be able to move forward and getting, keeping our veterans alive. Exactly. And I just wanted to thank um, Gabe for this opportunity and also thank all veterans um, for their service. Well, ladies, thank you very much for coming on the show. Very, very informative. And hopefully it's going to help um, the community a lot of veterans, and mostly uh, caregivers and uh, people that know veterans, how to handle something like this and not be afraid and stigmatized by um, all the other things that they know are not true. So really, really appreciate it. Um, can we get your both of your numbers and extensions one more time in case there's training involved or anything else that might be involved? Sure. And again, my name is Jessie Loss, L-O-S-S, and I can be reached at 203-932-5711 at extension 7294. And my name is LaTanya Hartz. I am located at the Newington VA, and I can be reached at 860-666-6951, extension 6893. Again, thank you very much for coming on Voice of the Veteran. And um, to my listeners out there, we'll, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Now, let's take a moment of silence for those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Thanks for listening. This has been Voice of the Veteran, presented by the University of New Haven. For more information, contact us at 203-500-2129. For more episodes, visit WNHU.com.
www.org/slash/voiceofthe-veteran.